today I am going to start a new series from the book of Colossians. And the entire path that we'll walk is not totally navigated here today. So I don't have every sermon laid out, but we are going to preach from Colossians for a number of weeks, and I entitled that, It's All in Him. You can see that, and that comes from a key verse in the book of Colossians. But today I'm going to be reading Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, the New Living Translation. It says this, We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-workers. He, co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. Today, for just a little while, I want to preach on this title, An Effectual gospel, an effectual gospel. Now, I will just tell you, effectual is not a common, you may be seated, effectual, the word effectual is not a common word these days. It has been replaced in the last 150 years with the word effective, but because I was raised on King James and the word effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, that just, effectual just sounds good. Doesn't it just sound spiritual? Look at your neighbor and say, an effectual gospel. And if you know what effective means, you know what effectual means. I am not uh, big into marketing. Marketing is not my strong point. But marketing is all around us. We are constantly bombarded with marketing messages. And the reason for these marketing messages most of the time is because they are trying to convince you that you need something that you do not have, and many times they're trying to convince you that you need something that you don't even want. Anybody ever heard a good commercial or, and it's like, man, I need that, and you really didn't? An effective marketing message. I was, uh, a number of years ago, probably six or seven years ago, I was in Atlanta for a conference, and uh, the Coke Museum is there in Atlanta, and so uh, a friend of uh, a co-worker that we were there together, and we were bored with the uh, convention that was going on, so we went over and visited the Coke Museum, and it's all things Coca-Cola, and the history of Coca-Cola, and all of these various marketing messages about Coca-Cola. Anybody like Coke? If I'm drinking soda, that is my beverage of choice. I quit drinking that a number of years ago, except very occasionally, because I was borderline diabetic, and it was a sad day in my life. <laughs> Raised in Louisiana, Pepsi just won't do. <laughs> it's got to be Coke. And 
So we went, we went to the museum, and they had all of these commercials from the past. And, and one of the things that Coca-Cola is, has set out to do is to put a can of Coke or a bottle of Coke in the hand of every person in the world. That is their goal, is to have every person in the world drinking their product. And one of the ways they do this is various marketing messages. Marketing messages that really have nothing to do with Coke. Sometimes it's all about family and it's all about friends. And they show these great scenes that evoke in you these memories of Thanksgiving and these memories of Christmas and memories of birthday parties. And they just happen to be drinking Coca-Cola at these parties. And so the goal is that when you think of family or when you think of Thanksgiving or you think of this gathering or whatever it is in your life, you're like, man, I need a Coke right now. They are very successful at that. Pharmaceutical commercials, I, I see a lot of those various on Roku, and, and, and depending on what kind of program you're watching, they'll have these same commercials over and over. And now, there's, a, there's one bad problem with, well, there's a lot of problems with pharmaceutical commercials. Anybody, anybody like pharmaceutical commercials? Big Pharma out to make it all the money they can and take it out of your pocket and give you something that you don't really need. But the government makes them put a disclaimer at the end of their commercials. After telling you and showing you these scenes of how Great and awesome your life is going to be without psoriasis. Your dry, scaly patches of skin are going to go away and you can now live your life to the fullest until they tell you the side effects. Could cause cancer, heart attack, or even death. Who would trade their scaly skin for death. I don't know. They have to put it in there. They don't want to put it in there, but the government makes them put it in there. Side effects include heart attack, cancer, strokes, brain bleeding, brain I can't even think, brain bleeding or in some cases death. Sign me up. But there is a a message that I'm going to preach about today that is A message that if it has side effects, it is this. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That that if you listen to this message, then maybe the side effect is you get to spend an eternity with Jesus. Or the side effect is you get to spend an eternity in heaven. and, And your life is better and you get deliverance and you get salvation. And you can have healing and you can have peace and joy in the middle of your struggles. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that we preach in the gospel of Jesus Christ that we read in his word. It is an effectual gospel. So quickly, to fulfill my promise of being done by 12, you can pray as long as you want after that. Understand that the gospel is effectual or it is effective. And because of that, we have an obligation to share it with everyone. Look at your neighbor and say, we have an obligation to share it with everyone. So what about this gospel? Now understand, our text said good news. And I've told you this and you're familiar with this. But the word gospel that you see on the screen and the word gospel that I use is 
the same as good news that you would read because it is the euangelion. It is the good news about Jesus Christ. So gospel and good news are synonyms. But the first thing I want you to know is this, that it is the gospel that has saved you. Paul would write to the church in Colossae and he would say it this way, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Understand that it is the good news about Jesus. It is the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that leads us to salvation, and it is the gospel that causes us to be saved. Paul gives a declaration of thanksgiving and prayer. And he does it in that order in the Greek language. In the NLT, which I read, it's, it's different. It's prayer and then thanksgiving. But in the Greek, it is a declaration. I'm thankful to God for you and I pray for you because you have been saved by the gospel. And it is a thanksgiving that they have responded and a thanksgiving that God has saved them and a thanksgiving that they've heard the message of the good news and they have decided to follow Jesus Christ. It is a thanksgiving for saving them and now using them. The Bible would tell us that Jesus would tell us actually in Luke 15 three different times he would say this when speaking of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. That heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. And what Paul is saying here, I'm rejoicing and I'm giving thanks to God because there is a group of people in the city of Colossae that is now saved and they have followed and obeyed the gospel and God has brought them into his kingdom and he has saved them. The preaching of the gospel results in faith. That when you hear the message preached, proper response is to believe and the proper response is to have faith in the God of that message he would further say that the gospel caused them to love God's people and ultimately it is that we are to love all people the great commandment love God with all of your heart soul mind and strength followed quickly by the second commandment love your neighbor as yourself followed by an even more difficult thing of love your enemy. That the gospel, when we are are obedient to the gospel and we have faith in the gospel, it leads us to salvation. And that salvation causes us to love him because he saved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We who were dead in trespasses and sin, he loved us and gave himself for us. And because of his love for us, we now reciprocate that love back to him. And when we love him, we love what he loves, which is everybody. We love our neighbor. We love our enemy. The gospel creates a confidence of us are in us that heaven is real and that we are going to go there some way and someday we are going to enter heaven's pearly gates. Paul would say this in 1 Corinthians 15, if we have hope in 
this life only, we are of all men most miserable. But our hope is not just in this life. It is in the life to come. And we have an expectation of spending an eternity with Jesus Christ. Anybody looking forward to that time when you spend an eternity with Jesus? No more struggle, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. No more sickness, but an eternity with Jesus. The statement that you see on the screen, it is a declaration that the gospel has saved you. But there may and surely are people in this room that have not fully responded to the gospel. But what I would say and declare is this. That if you come on a regular basis and you haven't fully responded to the gospel, you come because you believe God is real. You believe that there is a God. You believe that there is one who has created all of this. You believe that there is a heaven and you believe that there is a hell. And you believe that there is more than what you have experienced. So you keep coming back and entering into his presence and hearing his word and joining in on worship because you believe that there is hope. And you, I would tell you, you can respond to salvation today. This is the day of salvation. So whether you've responded before or now, or you still need to take another step of faith, the gospel is what will save us. Believing and following the gospel of Jesus Christ is what will save us. Why don't you give the Lord a praise for that right now? Hallelujah. The second thing I would tell you is this, is that the gospel works everywhere. Paul would write it to the church in Colossae this way, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives. From the day that you first heard it and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Getting back to a marketing theme. If you don't have psoriasis, what do you care about a medicine that will take it away? If you don't have high blood pressure, why do you care about a medicine it will take it away. It just becomes annoying. If you don't have heart trouble or high cholesterol or whatever it is, amusing at best and annoying at worst when you hear these messages, but they're different because people have different needs and they have different things that they need. But there is only one gospel. There is only one message that saves. And anything other than that will not do the trick. And regardless of who you are and where you come from or where you live, it is the same gospel for every ethnicity and the same gospel for every age group and the same gospel for every financial class and the same response is expected everywhere. And the same result is everywhere that when you obey the gospel, you come to this expectation of heaven and it changes and transforms your life. You may go to a country, speak a different language, but it's the same message. You can't go to China and just tell them the gospel in English. No, you speak 
one of the Chinese dialects and you make sure that they understand it, but it's really the same message because the gospel works in China just like it works here. And the gospel works in Japan just like it works here. And it works in Ecuador just like it works here. And it works in Honduras and Mexico and wherever you're from or wherever your family is or wherever you go, the gospel works. It is the same gospel everywhere. There is only one gospel. Thirdly, the gospel requires laborers. Paul would close this paragraph or to give you a new word, pericope. It's periscope without an S. Look at your neighbor and say pericope. That's worth the price of admission right there, pericope. It just means a section of Scripture. It could be multiple paragraphs or one, but that section of Scripture, he comes to the end of what would be a paragraph for us. And he says, you learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. What does that mean? What's the, what's the importance of this? The gospel calls us to salvation, but it calls us to more than salvation. The gospel is a call to follow Jesus as king. And if he is king, the gospel is a call to work in his kingdom. God has given the gospel to us in his word, but he is not an evangelist. God doesn't preach to your neighbor. God doesn't use angels to share the gospel, he may use angels like he did in Acts 10 to tell you where to go find the gospel, but he doesn't tell you the gospel. God uses people to spread the gospel. It is people and people alone that God has commissioned and ordained to be laborers in his kingdom and to share the gospel. And Paul would Say, I, I didn't come to the city of Colossae. I didn't go there and share the gospel with you. But Epaphras did. He's our co-worker in the gospel, and he went and shared the gospel with you. And you heard the gospel, and you were changed by the gospel, and you were saved by the gospel, and now you have this love for God, and you have this love for others. You have this hope of heaven. That God calls people who have been transformed by the power of the gospel to go and share it. And going doesn't have to be across the world. It doesn't have to be in Asia Minor like Colossae. But going could be to your next door neighbor. It could be going to your place of business. It could be going to your school. It could be going to the grocery store. 
God has called us to be laborers and He has called for us to, to have laborers, to share the gospel, to instruct people, not just to preach the gospel so that they respond, but then to help them to learn, to mature, and to grow in relationship with Jesus. The apostle would say, some plant, which means some are preaching that gospel of the kingdom, and it's like a seed, and it's planted in somebody's heart. When they hear the gospel, it, it begins to take root, and he says, some would water. There's already a seed there. I don't need to tell you again about the gospel, but we just need to water it a little bit so it grows, and it begins to spring up in you. God is the one who gives the increase, but he uses people, some plant, some water. God gives the increase. Paul would write in Romans chapter 10. How shall they hear without a preacher? The gospel requires laborers. And while we have many types of labor here in the church and many ways people can be involved, the laborers that the Bible speaks of are those who are in the harvest. As Jesus would say, the fields are ripe already to harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. The gospel doesn't share itself. It is incumbent upon us to do it. As I come to a close, understand it is the gospel who has saved us. It is the gospel that works everywhere, and it is the gospel that requires laborers in the kingdom. So I've alluded to it, I've mentioned it in passing, but the gospel is simply the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15, I purpose not to know anything else but that Jesus Christ was crucified. That he was buried the third day, and that he rose, or buried, and that he was rose again on the third day. It is that message that leads us to salvation. So today could be your day to respond to the gospel, to decide to follow Jesus and be obedient to what He has called us to do and be. Acts 4 and 12 would tell us that there is salvation in no other name. For there is none another name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is only at the name of Jesus. There is no salvation apart from Jesus. There is no way to heaven apart from Jesus. He is the one who died in our place. He is the one who was buried. He's the one who rose again. He is the one who we choose to follow and he is the one whose name we take on in the waters of baptism it is Jesus and Jesus alone that is the source of our salvation and I've referenced Paul a bunch but he would write this in Galatians he said I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel which is really not another if I could pause and say it this way there is only one gospel and what Paul is saying to the church in Galatia is this 
I'm amazed that you move from that one true message to something else. He says, but it's really not another gospel. And the reason it's not another gospel, it's a different message. But gospel means good news. And if you change the message, it's no longer good news. Because there's only one message that gets you to heaven. There's only one thing that's going to get you from here to there. And if you change it, you can call it good news, but it's really not good news because it's going to lead you astray. It's going to make you think that you're going to heaven when you're really not because it's not the right message. I apologize to keep coming back to this pharmaceutical deal, but if you've got high blood pressure, taking psoriasis medicine will do you no good. got to have the right medicine for the right problem. you got to have the right message to get you to heaven. I am amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary To what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. Paul would say it this way, if I change my mind and I come preaching something else, may I go to hell. Because there's only one saving message. We have an effectual gospel. It is effective when it is shared and when it is preached, but it has to be believed. Would you stand together today? Would you lift your hands, your hearts to the Lord right now? Would you thank Him for the word of truth? Would you thank Him for the word of salvation? Would you thank Him for what He has done in your life and for what He wants to do? God, we need You. We want You.